pointing the way towards freedom in an unfree world. This is The Liberty Effect with Ammon Bundy. I'm sitting here looking at uh, a copy of the U.S. Constitution, and uh, it's got a American flag as a background. Um, not the normal one I carry in my pocket. I have carried the U.S. Constitution in my front pocket nearly every day of every waking hour uh, since the whole Bundy Ranch uh incident in 2014 um i thought i knew it before uh you know uh the bundy ranch but uh certainly have become more acquainted with it and and the details of the constitution and but i sit here looking at it today uh wondering you know what it means uh i mean i know what the words say i know what uh I think I'm pretty sure about the intent. I've studied quite a bit uh, about the drafting and the history of the Constitution, U.S. Constitution. Um, I've studied about the, you know, the debate, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. There was a quite a debate. It was an exciting debate about uh, even having the Constitution. They had. Uh, the Articles of Confederation, and, you know, generally things were pretty good, but uh, they felt like the states would uh, separate if there wasn't something that more unifying, and uh, that would cause a lot of challenges. And so they put together this constitution, and there's a lot of controversy on whether they had authority and all of that. But anyway, I'm looking at it here. Wondering to myself what it means. Wondering what it means to you. Um, and I am live today, so you can call in. Uh, the number here is 801-331-8113. And uh, Brian will field those calls and and love to talk to you. Because um, we're, uh, we're, we're talking about the Constitution. Uh, we look through it, the first part of the Constitution, you know, it, it identifies the powers that were given to um, the executive branch, and then it goes on into the legislative branch, and or excuse me, the legislative branch, and then into the executive, and, and then into the judicial, and, uh, and what basically they are to do. And this Constitution, you realize that there was no federal government, right? People do realize there was no federal government. There was no general government or even U.S. government because there was no United States. There were states, but they weren't united. And what united them? Well, it was this Constitution. It united them in uh, defense of trade, uh, in uh, setting forth the parameters in which they would trade uh, internationally and protected and made sure that no uh, buddy would interfere with their interstate trade, which we know uh, that uh, our U.S. attorneys, uh, U.S. Um, prosecutors have certainly violated that. Um, 
and uh, and it also uh, basically unified the states in a method in which they can come together to fraud off any foreign invasion, um, any uh, you know uh, rebellion, and uh, basically lays out that, and then it sets forth uh, a method in which and a mechanism in which uh, any of the laws that uh, that are violated in this constitution of how it was supposed to be set forth, how the judicial process was supposed to be set forth. Um, but I would have to say the uh, founding principle that is laid forth in the constitution is a principle of limitations checks and balances to government. And, uh, but I look here today at this constitution and then I look at our society and I understand what's in it. And I just don't see much of what is set forth in the constitution. I don't see it happening. In fact, I see the opposite happening. And so what that means to you and I might be different we might see it differently, but it basically what it means is that there's an infringement upon or it puts us in danger. How about that? Uh, and I certainly saw that in my life, and uh, I would imagine that you, in some way, whether you realize it or not, have felt it in your own life. I, I, I absolutely know you have. There's no way to go even a day or two without – uh, being affected by the overreach of the of those who have uh, filled the seats and offices of our government. So what do we do? So an example here, I actually was uh, Googled the Hammond family. And uh, if you have listened much or followed, you know that the Hammond family, our ranching family in Oregon, that uh, we went to Harney County to basically bring attention to and went into the refuge. Anyway, I, I, uh, I Googled them, and the reason I Googled them is I was just looking for a picture. I was putting together a video for Rick Kerber. Um, he's gave a great message uh, over the phone. He's incarcerated and uh, falsely incarcerated, falsely accused. It's a terrible situation, but... Uh, he sent a, a wonderful message of freedom over the phone while he's in jail, and uh, his wife, Jewel, sent that to me, and uh, I'm doing my best to try to put a video together and present that to people so that they can understand really what's going on and some of the wisdom that Rick's offering. So I was looking for a picture about the ha of the Hammonds, and uh, if I get my computer going, I want to show you or read to you it was very interesting because the first, I, the first uh, file says, Bill M. Hope's Hammond cattle can reduce wildfire. So that's the first. Well, remember, they were incarcerated for uh, starting a prescribed fire. And the prosecutors charged them of, as arsenal terrorists under the Anti-Terrorist Death Penalty Act of 1996. And so now this heading says uh, the BLM hopes to Hammond's cattle can reduce fire risk. 
as from drovers. And then the next one says grazing permits restored for the Hammond family. And then, well, it's interesting because the Hammond family owned grazing rights. So somehow though they were revoked and turned into permits. We can get into that later if we want, but federal judge blocks grazing permits to Oregon family at, uh, anyway, that's the next heading. Ah, what? So I look at the dates. Sure enough, Grazing permits restored to the Hammond family, June 29, 2019. Then I go to the federal judge blocks grazing permit to Oregon family. And that's June 5, 2017. So they've been blocked. Uh, Oregon rancher, next heading, Oregon rancher who led to wildlife refuge, refuge take, take over grazing. Um, so that would basically kind of going back. That was June 29th. Lawsuit filed to block renewal of grazing permit for the Hammond family, May 15th. Now, of course, these aren't chronological, but basically what's happened to the Hammond family is this back and forth of, you know, of their rights, uh, of the basically the protection or the uh, recognition of their rights and uh, how now the federal courts are battling or, you know, the environmentalists are battling with actually the BLM. It's very interesting um, because, the, the, you know, as you know, Trump pardoned the Hammonds and then Zinke reinstated uh, the Hammonds grazing rights. They're not privileges, rights. And, uh, and then the environmentalists came and said, you know, oh, the Hammonds weren't good stewards. They weren't. They didn't follow the regulations, and and therefore they have to be revoked by law. And so then the judge looks at it and says, well, they can they can graze for now. And then later he over overrode that decision. And now the Hammonds grazing uh, rights have been restricted. Um, but. How is that possible if they're right and they're protected under the U.S. Constitution? Anyway, let's go to break and we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit. Finally got warm here in uh, Idaho where I'm at. It's, it's nothing compared to Nevada where I grew up, but you know we're in the 90s and uh, high 90s. And anyway, to be honest with you, I, I enjoy it. I grew up in, like I said, the southern Nevada desert when it it get 120 degrees. It was common to do that. I uh, working on the ranch most of the time growing up. I was kind of like a a hick. I guess, kid with uh, no shirt. I wore jeans and a boots, and that's how I worked most of the time. My brothers did the same thing. And uh, we'd work all morning until about 2, 3 o'clock. We'd start early, and then we'd go jump in the 
the river or, or in the ditch somewhere and cool off. And that's pretty much how our day was. And then when it cooled back down, we went back to work. So anyway, happy for it to get, uh, or to get warm. I, I don't mind the heat. And, uh, anyway, some people say I don't mind the heat politically either, uh, because it seems like I'm always, uh, in trouble politically, either with the liberals, they hate me or the conservatives and, uh, for some of my comments. So, uh, maybe that my roots came from, or uh, the, you know, my heat tolerance came from being, uh, uh, my brain cells being burnt in the Southern Nevada desert. So we were, uh, before the break, just talking about the U S constitution. And, uh, I would love to have a conversation with somebody because, uh, I wonder, uh, if you think the U S constitution is being applied today, um, in any matter, um, I think that there is, you know, the, the, some of the names and a little bit of the structure that is set up. Uh, but I don't believe that most of this in here is even being applied. Um, and I think that it puts you and I at great danger. And let me just explain this if I can, why, why does it put you in danger? Uh, why does it put me in danger? Why does it put liberty in danger? N not, not why. Why has it? Why is it? Because it's already happened. I mean, it's already happened. So why? And I, I guess the way I would explain it is we're not, we are not just a republic. And uh, if, you, if you think about it, uh, what other countries – what other you know nations have used uh, the word republic uh, even in their title? Uh, of course, we don't. We're the United States uh, of America. But uh, what does USSR stand for? What did the in USSR stand for? And uh, that you know for the young guys that that USSR is uh, what Russia was, right? And uh, that R in USSR stands for Republic. It's the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, right? And uh, so they're a republic. The Soviet Union, before it fell in 1991, from 1922 to 1991, their name was the, – the official name was the Union of Soviet Social Republic. And – uh, so they were a republic, right? Um, they claim to be a republic now. I think they're much more republic now than they were before. But what about China? What uh, what is the uh, what does China call themselves? Or uh, is it not the uh, republic, the People's Republic of China? That's right, People's Republic of China. So uh, we have the word republic and. Uh, which means that it's a representative, with, you know, representative form of government. That we have representatives that re represent, you know, our interest, our I guess our rights in in uh, in government. But why is the United States of America uh, different, or supposedly different? And actually, why have we lost um, our our unique position because we have uh, I would 
differ with anybody that would say that we haven't. Uh, we are actually coasting on the coattails of the the great foundation and the great prosperity of our past generations, our founders, the first 150 years. We're still coasting on that prosperity because of the miracle of America in which they and the, the form of, of social agreements that they uh, structured and lived by. It created prosperity for the individual, and we still have that wealth. But it's, it's phasing out. We're using it up, and uh, we're not creating new. We're, uh, and, and the reason we're not is because we have strayed from the found in, foundation in which we were built. We're not living according to the uh, form of government that was founded. And the form of government that was founded is, is the uh, a constitutional republic. Uh, it's a constitutional republic. It's not just a republic. And there's a difference because the constitutional republic means that there is a charter that the people organize that directs and gives authority to the republic, to the to the representatives. It keeps them bound. Like China and and uh, USSR, they weren't bound. So I have a caller on the line. Uh, I think it's Daniel. Uh, Daniel, uh, how are you doing? Yes, hello, Mr. Bundy. Greetings from FEMA Region 9. FEMA Region 9. I am glad you called, Daniel, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, go ahead. Well, I think part of the problem, um, part of the best method of solving a problem is to define the problem correctly to begin with. I don't agree with you that straying from the Constitution is the problem. I think that you can have 10 constitutions, and as long as there's no way of enforcing it, you're going to have a thing called a government that has powers that are immoral, such as the ability to steal from people with impunity. Uh, Lysander Spooner called it plunder, legalized plunder. And you can take even the, a better title for a nation would sound like Democratic People's Republic, and those are the worst. You got the Democratic People's Republic of the Congo. I don't know about you. I don't think I'd want to live there. There's a constitution no, been... both in the USSR and in China. They both have constitutions because I have heard quotations from them about making sure women had equal rights. And so the constitution has no muscle of its own. If we don't have the method of recalling psychotic people, uh, parasites, calling themselves politicians. If we don't have a method of recalling them and we'd have to be able to enforce that method, then so we're you're, all, you're, we've, got, we've got parties yeah, so that decide who's going to be yeah. on the ballot, and that's who our choice is. Yeah, so Daniel, hang on. So you, you're saying that the Constitution or any Constitution or really anything doesn't matter if it's not enforced. And I certainly, you know, agree with you 100 uh, percent. In fact, you've stepped ahead about two segments of what I want to talk about in this show. <laughs> and that's OK. But I got to take a break here. Um, so let's take a break and we'll talk more about uh, the enforcement. 
Um, okay, do you want me I've to got, stay on? Or few, you want to just... got, yeah, stay on. I've got a few uh, seconds here, but uh, if you don't, in, again, if you don't enforce the law, which the Constitution is the law, right? Would you agree with me there, Daniel? Uh, that's what it says it is, yes. Okay, if you agree or, or even have an idea or belief that the Constitution is a law, then it, it matters nothing at all if it's not enforced. Uh, so let's go to break. Let's talk about this in a few minutes. discussion without the partisan outrage this is the loving liberty radio network so i just want to uh clarify a few things lay a foundation here i've got daniel on the phone uh still with us uh so the u.s constitution is uh, the law of the land, I guess. Uh, it certainly uh, has filled that position. Um, but, you know, the law, I think if you want to know about what the true law is, and I'm not saying the Constitution is not the true law, I'm saying it's the law of the land. Uh, but if you want to know about what the law is, then read a little uh, essay by uh, Frederick Bastiat called The Law. And uh, you'll find out really what the law is, is what it's uh, for, and uh, and uh, you know the purpose of that of the law. And so, as we left for break, uh, Daniel and I were talking about um, uh, the Constitution uh, and how it is no good if it's not enforced. And I'm sure we can have a good debate about, you know, what the Constitution is. We could probably talk about, you know, its legitimacy. We could talk about probably, you know, uh, basically even how it's uh, being applied today. But Daniel and I, I would bet, Daniel, and you tell me otherwise if you disagree, I think that we can agree that there is no practical method at this time for any law or any protection of the people to be enforced. Uh, and would you yeah, agree with I me agree on with that? that. I, I definitely agree. Okay. And I think that shows one of the basic flaws of the animal that we call government. If you go back to the Bible, uh, which some people would turn their nose up at, I don't think you do. If you go to first Samuel chapter eight, uh, verses <laughs> yes. 11 to 18, God warns through Samuel, he warns what human rulers will do to us. And if you go through that list, it's almost hilarious because, uh, he, in effect, he talks about an old form of the draft. He talks about what we call taxation, which is, which uh, Bastiat, I, I mistakenly said Spooner, Bastiat is the one that calls it legalized plunder. And, um, it basically it warns of exactly what every single government that has ever been devised has done to its people 
and eventually I hope it sinks into more and more people that the problem is the animal called government itself is immoral. You can't get grapes from a thorn bush. And if you start with an immoral basis, you're going to get an immoral result and attract immoral people to run it. So this is an interesting uh, position, uh, Daniel. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I want to I want to follow you here because I think that you're saying very much uh, what I believe and very much what I believe most people need to understand. Uh, and that is that. You know, let's just take ancient Israel in the Bible. Uh, right. They were they were a people long before they were there was a government, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes I mean, exactly. They were a people, and and in fact, they were a people that was freed from another government, and and then that you know that there was basically direction. There was a set of of laws uh, which will which many people view as, say, the Ten, Ten Commandments, and that those, of course, people were not allowed to infringe or to hurt or to murder or to steal or to, you know, damage other people's properties. Of course, there was basically punishments for that, but there was no government, and the people were free. Until yeah. you get down to... First Samuel 8, and what did the people want? They wanted a king. And why did they want it? Because all the other nations had right. it. Right. They wanted it. They, were, they, they, they wanted it because all the other nations, they even said that all the other nations have a king, and we want to be judged by a king. And Samuel yeah. warned them. And you're right. It is a, it, it is a very, it's very interesting, Daniel. I was reading that this morning. And Good. I actually... Uh, 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 passed a link on to uh, someone on Facebook asking them to read uh, 1 Samuel 8 because what you're saying is exactly right. And the interesting thing is God's response. So the people wanted the king, and what did God say? He says, they have rejected me because right. now they want a king. Yeah. They want they a want government. They want... And then he goes on to say that this government will, or this king, you know, basically this, because every king has a kingdom, and that's a that's right. a government, right? And right. Uh, so this this uh, king, he'll he'll take your lands, he'll force your sons into uh, into battle to be soldiers, he'll force your daughters to be maids to him. Um, he goes on and on, and worse, yes. Um, and we certainly saw that even in King, even with King David, who was only their second king, and Saul, or excuse me, Samuel. I mean, I think what Saul. was it? Uh, I'm sorry. Saul was uh, the first uh, one. Yeah. Solomon. And Saul, 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 David, if I may, Solomon. If, yeah. if I may interject a little bit, uh, Saul. They give the story of Saul now again. If you just, you can even, those who aren't, don't believe in God can still look at the Bible as, in its stories and look at the truth in them. There is a lot of truth about human nature in there. And so people that tell me they're atheists or whatever and try to poo-poo what I'm saying say, just look at the story and see if it doesn't apply. Because Saul was not a bad kid, you know, when, they, when, when oh, uh, was... Samuel first found him. 
but the power drove him nuts, and he became and a, same with David and same with Solomon. And David, yeah, all of them. I, power Solomon, drives I ended them up nuts. having. I think Solomon ended up having. I think they say up to like six hundred wives. Something um, like that. I don't know how he didn't dealt well, with them, but <laughs> he certainly had a big enough I mean, wallet because he stole from the people, like any well, yeah. does. And uh, and he, you know, lost his uh, gift in his relationship with God. Uh, it, that, let's let's just go down through history a little bit, though, too, uh, because, you know, maybe uh, the listeners think that this is a really radical idea that we're promoting uh, anarchy. Um, no, and, and I, that's I hate not, that word. I, I do, too. It's not what we're promoting. It's freedom. A man was is born to this earth. He is given, uh, you know, either before or uh, at birth, he's giving, given the, the gift to be an agent unto himself, to be, uh, 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 you know, to be free. And no man that I can see has a right to control or govern that man or that person, man or woman. Yeah. And uh, the way and, I phrase it, I, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't and so the only thing that we need is we just need uh, to not hurt each other, to not infringe upon each other's rights or, or property. Now, right. so you might say, well, oh, because of God, because they're the nature of man or nature of some men is to infringe upon other people's rights. Therefore, we need government. <laughs> right. That, well, that's, that's a catch what, twenty-two what because saying. then you're giving a corruptible man. You're giving him power to ignore those strictures and steal from other people and kill them at will with with no uh, accountability at all and no consequence. Okay. Yeah. So now you're looking at uh, you're looking at ancient Israel and you see two types of social. Uh, I don't know what to call it. I guess uh, you know organizations. You have basically the Ten Commandments and where they were free, where God was their king, and then that there was a, a, a you know basically a judge, and and basically the people were free, and then they become yeah. uh, a kingdom under a king, and it basically destroyed ancient Israel to the point where they were dismantled, uh, they were not unified, and they end up being. Uh, um, they actually end up being uh, uh, captured and overthrown. And then uh, let's go down to in history a little ways. And uh, there's probably other evidences of these same things happening. But let's go down to the 1200s and let's talk about the Magna Carta. OK. And uh, it's the same thing. What uh, in the Magna Carta, it was kind of now they were trying to reverse uh, basically what happened in Israel, because you've got these oppressive kings and lords and noblemen and all these things uh, that are basically uh, destroying the rights of the people. And so they basically drafted the Magna Carta and forced upon the lords, on the kings, and said, this is the way it will be, and we will be free. And uh, and there was an enforcement measure to that that I would like to uh, present and talk to you about uh, but we got to take a break here in a few uh, in a few minutes we'll be right back
Okay, uh, we've been, again, just battling away here, talking about uh, the U.S. Constitution, about the law. Uh, we've been talking about uh, uh, government in, as its nature, and uh, actually even been talking about whether there's even a need for government or not. Um, and uh, I certainly think that it's a it's a, a conversation that we should have more often. And uh, we were Daniel and I've been uh, discussing ancient Israel and how basically uh, in Samuel First Samuel eight it talks about or uh, we can read how the people rejected. God as their king, as their uh, protector and judge and ruler, and because they wanted a king. And uh, we brought it all the way down to the Magna Carta. And the Magna Carta is very interesting because uh, it was written, I guess, uh, in 1215, and uh, because of many of the abuses by King John, and uh, both the... Uh, and so they created this uh, charter called the Magna Carta, and uh, which is, by the way, in uh, when you translate it, it's called the Great Charter. And it basically says that we are going to be free, uh, that all men are free. And I don't agree with all of the Magna Carta because there's still that lining of noblemen's and different things, but it's very interesting. Uh, when you start to understand what uh, what enforcement measures they put in place upon the king and any of his uh, any of the civil servants, and uh, basically they said that there would be a uh, a, a jury of the peop of twenty five of their barons that they would uh, if there was a, a violation of this charter. That there would be uh, uh, 25 jurors, and I'm going to uh, just go through this quick. I'm not going to go into detail, but that there would be 25 jurors, and that uh, they would determine whether the someone like a uh, uh, whether they call them a, a warren or a forester or warners or sheriffs or, or any of their officers, um, if any of them or wardens. Those are the names of their officers at that time. If any of them violated this charter, then then what would happen is the 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 twenty five barons would basically an issue an order for these uh, government officers to be what what's the right word? It, they said it would be an inquest to utterly abolish them. Uh, let me just read this. And the way that it was done is they did it, they would do it by 12 sworn knights. So 12 sworn knights, unknown to the people, uh, but would be issued uh, this inquest coming from the 25 uh, jurors, or they call them sureties of the peace, and that they would. Uh, basically send those 12 sworn knights to utterly, uh, let me read it right here, to utterly eradicate the warrens, foresters, forest, uh, warners, sheriffs, their officers, riverbanks, and their wardens. 
And so that was their uh, enforcement. And even even though uh, for some time the people under the Magna Carta, they did receive and experience some uh, freedom. But even even you know under this situation where there was a strict enforcement of this charter that was outlined, uh, eventually it was eroded uh, and disregarded. So, Daniel, uh, I still got you here on the line? Yes. I'm wondering what your thoughts about the enforcement of the Magna Carta is. Well, I think they even beheaded John, didn't they? One of the Johns. Yeah, they uh, uh, they did behead one of the Johns, but I am I don't know which one, if it was this one or another one. I think it was this one because I think he violated... I can't remember. Um, Chris Ann Hall has a recorded lecture on on the history of the constitution that includes the magna carta i think it goes even beyond that but you know earlier but um as i recall that's what she said it that um king john i remember her saying king john was beheaded i don't know which one it was i don't think it was the one who translated the bible well i i i know originally i i don't know the answer to that but i know originally you know, they basically put a sword to his neck and says, you're going to sign this this charter because we're no longer going to uh, be ruled. And what was happening? The same things that are happening now, the same yeah. things our governments are doing now, the same thing they were doing to the, you know, the founders who drafted the Constitution, the same thing that they were doing, you know, in most of the medieval times, they, the same thing was going on uh, in the in the in the 1200s when the Magna Carta was enforced and what are those things they're the exact same thing that Samuel warned the people about exactly and so to me that just shows uh, I remember a line from the movie Silence of the Lambs where Hannibal Lecter quotes Marcus Aurelius he says of each and everything ask only what is it what is its nature and so we have to ask ourselves, if we want to solve the problem properly, we have to ask ourselves, what is the nature of government? And at its heart, all governments have deadly force at their core. But that's how they enforce everything. And so that they're going is what to they attract. Are. Yes, and they, they are going to attract people who want to wield deadly force over others. And in my opinion, the only people who want to wield deadly force over others are psychotics, and therefore, so, I don't want to be subject to a system that has at its head psychotic people that can kill me. Yeah, I think Dan Dan Love is a good example of that, but he's certainly not an isolated incident, you know, of a of a right. bad actor. I mean, I mean, just go look at how many uh, people were killed by the police uh, this year. And last year, and you know, this decade, and then then ask yourself, well, what are the police there for? Well, aren't they supposed to be there to protect life? And Not yet, anymore. they're the number one one of the. Well, they 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 kill more people than street criminals do, and so it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, the the problem that I think most people, when they logically think about it, will then ask, well, how are we to defend ourselves against? criminals right how are we to and how are we to discourage you know criminals from taking our rights and and uh and i think the magna carta also gives us that answer for the people assembled 
a grand jury when something was wrong, and that grand jury determined, you know, basically a a a verdict of, and then uh, edict or not an edict, or let's say call it they call it a an inquest, basically, basically was sent out to correct the wrong, and it was all done by the people, and then once well, the wrong I was corrected, I'm. I'm not sure the people had that much input to the to the Magna Carta because remember they were kept illiterate and poor, and and helpless. That I think it was the nobles that formed the Magna Carta. They were getting stolen well, yeah. from because they had swords too, which the people did not were not allowed to have. You are weapons. you're you're right, but in the Magna Carta, and I wish I knew exactly what it states in one line that all people are free, and. And this was a protection to all the people. And it was it's one of the only charters that you see where, you know, uh, kind of noblemen or kind of mid-level uh, noblemen were actually, you know, protecting and and listing the rights of everybody. Uh, I think well, the next time you see that is in, in the Declaration of yeah, is in the Declaration of Independence. You see the same thing start, uh, basically happening. But, but uh, again, the the point being that the people, you know, are where the power resides, and there is a system that is very easily uh, performed to protect the rights of man without government. You can call it government if you want, but basically, it's the people. You know, creating a uh, an assembly of people, uh, say like 25, to determine whether uh, someone is guilty of a of of damaging and and uh, creating a victim, and then uh, the enforcement is done that way. And I love how they did it here with, with the 12 nights, because you know they went out and just took care of the problem. And a king or a president or officers would be afraid of that system. And that would be a check and balance that we haven't had in a long time. Thank you for listening to Liberty Effect. This is Ammon Bundy. Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.